Hi, this is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us. I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Great to have you here at our 11 o'clock service, and I just really want to briefly reiterate one of the announcements, and that is that Connect Group signups are happening today, and they start this week. So if you haven't done that already, go online. You'll be able to look at all the different groups that we have happening all throughout the week all over the community, and I just recommend it to you so greatly. You need to be in a group. It's wonderful to have you here on our kind of first Sunday in our new place. We wanted to get a first run at it before next week because Easter is kind of a big deal. So thanks for being here on our first Sunday. I want to just recognize someone really quickly. I don't know. He was in the first service, so I don't know if he's hanging out here in this second service. But I wanted to recognize Mr. Corey Shad for all of his work and effort. Is he in here? Is he? Corey, stand up. So, come on. Let this guy know how much you appreciate him. And Yeah. Yesterday at the uh, helicopter egg drop, they estimate we have about 1,500 people here yesterday. And don't adjust your TV sets. That is the actual color of my forehead, everybody. I mean, that's unbelievable. I just got smoked. If you need to uh, warm yourself by the, by the heat emanating from my forehead, you can. But it's great to have such a great turnout. And, Corey, thank you for all of your work. I did absolutely nothing uh, on that day. And so I just walked around and got to high-five people and get sunburnt. So thanks thanks for all of your work. And for all of the connectors serving yesterday and everybody that got up early this morning and was here, give yourselves a hand again. Everybody a hand that's been doing all that. It's awesome. Thanks again. Just a few things. I've been telling you this every week uh, leading up to next week, but I just want to reiterate once again, I want to challenge all of us as a church to do this. A few things that we can do before next weekend, Easter. It's kind of a big deal. It's the Super Bowl for the church. I just want to encourage you, first of all, to pray. Pray. Pray that God will do what only he can do as we do our part. But just begin to believe that God's going to do something amazing among us. It all begins with the foundation of prayer. Everything does. So just prepare your hearts for what he wants to do in us and among us. Start praying for those that are going to come. And I know that means you can't pray for you, you know. Uh, just just know, I, I know that's hard because Devin, Devin can be Devin-centric and Devin likes Devin, and Devin is sometimes all about Devin. But when I start thinking and praying for others, Devin becomes a little less, and the real purpose and the real meaning for everything starts to be a little bit more important. So just take the time to pray. And then the second thing I want you to do is to invite. I want you to start now thinking about who you can invite. Start asking the Holy Spirit to give you insight, perspective, interactions with people that you you don't know that you will just be led to invite. It's interesting how people's hearts seemingly just become more receptive during the Easter season. It's almost like the door of their heart just opens up in a way that it otherwise isn't. I think another word for invite is to invest. Invest in someone. Invest in their spiritual life and health. Invest in a relationship. Invest in someone feeling welcome and accepted. Invest Here's invest in eternity, everybody. Just invest in something beyond you. And then finally, I just want you to celebrate with us. We're trying to make it as easy as we possibly can. We give you invite cards, and they're in your worship guides, and they're all over the place. How many like our new lobby? You have plenty of space in the lobby out there, everybody. That's pretty awesome. There's lots of invite cards out there. Grab one, and then come back and celebrate with us. We'll culminate our series that we're in, Miracles, with the greatest miracle of all time, the resurrection of Jesus, and become you're ready to celebrate together. He is the God of miracles. We've been in this series now for this is our third week. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at some of the miracles that Jesus performed while he was here on this earth. One of the things that we've been reminding ourselves is that he's actually still in the miracle working business. <laughs> 
He hasn't closed up shop. He still does the miraculous, which is why this is our theme verse for this series. Psalm 77 verse 14 says this. You are the God of miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. You are and you still are doing present tense. He's doing this today. The fact that some of you are here today is a miracle. Or, or maybe I should say this. The fact that you are on time today is a miracle. Is that Maybe that maybe I should say it like that. Seriously, for those of us that have been serving God for some time, we talked about this last week. It's not a matter of whether or not we believe in miracles or believe that God is still doing that. For most of us, it's the faith to believe that he could actually do it for us. The, the faith to believe that I, God could actually do something miraculous for me. And it's my hope and prayer that during this series, you will begin to believe that God wants to do the miraculous in your life. Here's here's an intriguing question beyond doing it in your life. Could it be that God wants to use you to bring a miracle to someone else? Could it be that that you're the vehicle, the avenue through which God wants to to work that actually delivers a miracle to someone else? Of course, today today. We celebrate Palm Sunday. Today begins what is often referred to as the Passion Week, the final week of Christ's life here on this earth before that that crucifixion on Friday. By the way, just while I'm thinking about that, Good Friday, this Friday the 14th, uh, while while we're in the throes of getting all this set up, we're actually going to be able to set up early, and so we're going to be able to have our first prayer and communion service this Friday for Good Friday service. And I just think it's important That before we rush headlong into Sunday and the celebration of what that is, the celebration is much more exciting and fulfilling when we first pause to consider all that he went through on the Friday first. It just is. It makes so much more of a difference. And so we'll have 5 o'clock Friday night, we'll have prayer and communion and worship here together. And it will be our first prayer service in this building as we begin to pray for what God wants to do on Sunday. So that's that's a pretty big deal. And I just want to make sure you plan on being there for us. But Passion Week, this Palm Sunday, kicks off. This week, and it's amazing as you study through Scripture, when you read through Jesus' last interactions, his conversations, the, the last meal with his disciples on that Thursday night, Jesus was incredibly intentional during this week. Every word, every statement, he, he knows exactly what's going on and he knows exactly where he's headed. It's a week like no other. Everything Jesus does is so thoughtful and meaningful, nothing haphazard or coincidental. Jesus coming down to his last days to fulfill his ultimate purpose here on this earth. And because he knew that, everything took on a deeper meaning. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 says this, Now when the time was approaching for him to be taken up to heaven, he was determined to go to Jerusalem, look look what it says, to fulfill his purpose. Another, Another translation says that he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He set his face To go to Jerusalem. Jesus knew what his purpose was. And he resolutely determined. And he committed to fulfill it. And being that it's Palm Sunday. The beginning of Passion Week. I want to take a look at a miracle. That took place on that day. As we continue in this series. The header in my Bible reads. The triumphant entry. Where Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And we know that just a few days later. He would take the same journey into Jerusalem. But it would look very different than this one. So Jesus said yes to Jerusalem. When he turned his face to Jerusalem, he turned his face to the cross. 
He said yes to pain and suffering when he said yes to Jerusalem. What you need to understand is, had he taken on his kingship that everyone thought he was supposed to take on, on that first day of palms, if he had taken the throne then, none of us would ever be robed in white or waving palms of praise in the age to come. There had to be a cross. And what I love about the Palm Sunday story is that it's a story that's found in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's interesting that all of them, under the leading and prompting of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they all include this specific story in, in their perspective. Uh, just so you understand what that means. It's like if, if there was something that four of us watched and experienced together, we would all tell the story differently. We, we would see details, remember things that stuck out in our minds that the other three didn't see or remember or think was important. It's like, it's like the difference between when I tell a story and when, when my wife tells a story. One of them has more details. Now, I'll let you <laughs> guess which one that is. So Matthew sees it one way, and Mark has a perspective on it, and so on. And it's often referred to as the harmony of the Gospels. When you look at it in its fullness, in its context, and together, they make this beautiful story, cohesive and complementary. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> or if you like jazz music, you go, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you want to hit the nine chord. Okay, that, okay, anyways, y'all don't care about any of that. I'm sorry. But it makes this beautiful, harmonious story. It's not contradictory. It's complementary. And today we look, we're going to look at Luke's account. At the triumphant entry, Palm Sunday. Today was more like a parade, but just a few days later, it was his purpose that would bring him back through the city again. And the miracle that we're going to look at is maybe a miracle that, that you don't even think or consider to be a miracle, but it was. And we're going to talk about the miracle of the donkey. <laughs> the miracle of the donkey. We're going to look at it. Jesus is already on his way. Toward Jerusalem. If you were soaping with me, if you have our soap guides and you're reading along with me, we were soaping through Luke chapter 19 yesterday. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. That's what that stands for. We have guides that we hand out. But yesterday we were reading through Luke 19 and we came across this verse in 20, verse 29. It says this, as he came down to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany. So a couple weeks ago we talked about Bethany. Is, he would stay with Lazarus and Mary and Martha when he would do ministry in Bethany. He, he comes to those towns on his way to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives overlooks the, the city of Jerusalem. There are these little towns and villages that settle into the, the hill, and you pass through them on your way into Jerusalem. And Jesus, it says in verse 29, sends two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them, and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Now, again, when you look at the harmony of the Gospels, each writer refers to this donkey, but they, they, they call it a different thing. All of them call it something different. One calls it a small colt. Another says that it's a colt with the mama colt there. Another says it's the foal of a, a donkey. And it, so they all say the same thing. They just call it different things. Another gospel says that it, they not only saw this donkey there, that, but said it was tied to a post. I just think it's so amazing how Jesus gives all these specifics. Details that could only be explained by the miraculous. Uh, as far as we know, Jesus has never been to this village. Uh, and he's telling these two disciples what is going to be there when they get there. What they're going to find when they get there is a small donkey that is tied to a post that has never been ridden. 
verse 30, untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, hey, what are you doing with my colt? Now, just think about that, because you would do the same thing. So imagine you're coming out of the store, and someone walk, you see someone getting in your car. And you're like, hey, that's, what, are you do, what are you doing getting in my car? That's not your, your car. And some of you take your cars really seriously, I know. Uh, it, so that may be more of an intense conversation for some of you. They're doing exactly what Jesus told them to do, and the owners of the donkey are like, whoa, 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 where are you going with our colt? Verse 34, and the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their garments over it for him to ride on, and he rode along. The crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. In the other three uh, Gospels, the other writers, Matt, Mark, and John, all include the detail that they not only threw garments, but they waved palm branches and laid palm branches in front of him as he rode along. They waved them down and worshipped him. Verse 37 And when he reached the place where the road started into the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God. Look at this. Praising God for all of the miracles, not that they wanted him to do, but the ones that they'd already seen him do. So as he's making his way down the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem can't help but just break forth in praise. The masses of people, they see Jesus riding in on this donkey. They they recognize him. There's the one. That we've been seeing perform these miracles. They've heard about all that he's been doing. They see him coming and they cannot contain themselves. You have to remember, this was a people that that was in bondage. They were were being suppressed. They, They were under Roman rule. And now they see Jesus, their deliverer, their king, their Messiah. But what they didn't understand was that he wasn't coming to deliver them from the Romans. He was actually coming to free them from themselves. They're thinking, he's not coming to take over a political regime. Actually, no, he's coming to free them from sin. Just like all of us need to be, by the way. Jesus came to free us, to deliver us, to cleanse us. And they respond by shouting and singing, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that he has done. Saying this, verse 38, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. What an incredible day. Incredible day. And maybe on this Palm Sunday, we just need to take a moment and praise God for all the wonderful miracles that he's already done. Some of us are so consumed with what we want him to do that we've forgotten what he's already done. We're so, that's all we're focusing on, what we want him to do, and we miss what he's already done. Could we just take a moment this morning on Palm Sunday and give God praise for all the miracles that he's already done? Setting us free, delivering us, saving us, cleansing us, redeeming us for saying yes to Jerusalem and all that that entailed. I love, I love reading stories like this, imagining in my mind's eye what that day was like putting myself in this story you need to do that when you read the bible because the reality is it happened on a day just like today i believe this actually happened this is not a myth this is not a fairy tale this is not hand-me-down stories i these things actually happened and because they actually happened because i know they're real i put myself in the story watching 
Jesus, set his gaze on Jerusalem, knowing what that's leading him to. Not for the sins that he committed, but for the ones that had been committed by everyone else, for the ones that were currently being committed, for the ones that would ever, for all time be committed. And in the midst of the celebration and the victory and the hoopla, Jesus is actually getting closer to accomplishing why he was sent by his heavenly father. He knows, he knows the pain, but his, his gaze is set on the prize. And I have to think that there were people in the crowd. I've been around people enough that people just kind of go, oh, something's going on over here. I, had, I have to believe that not everyone knew exactly what was going on. They just see people clamoring and shouting and rejoicing. They just kind of join in, not fully knowing. I mean, we already know this is a fickle bunch. Like, this is the same crowd that turns on Jesus. So, so they can be easily swayed. By the way, some things haven't changed. Like one day it's Hosanna. Thank you, God, for all that you've done. Thank you for the miracles you've performed. Lord, come save us. And a few days later, it's kill him. Crucify him. Same people. I think about the disciples. Well, you got to love the disciples. It's like this, this motley crew of guys. For so much of their time with Jesus, I think that they're just kind of along for the ride. I mean, often throughout Scripture, it says, and the disciples did not understand what Jesus was saying. They did not comprehend what he was meaning when he said, I mean, they're just kind of like, I don't know, but let's, let's go ahead and follow. I don't know. I'm just along for the ride. They couldn't argue with the validity of his ministry, the fulfillment of prophecy. In fact, this story, this story of Palm Sunday, had been prophesied 1,900 years before it happened. The prophet, Zechariah, seeing something in the Spirit, writes this in Zechariah chapter 9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look. Your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey. Look, riding on a donkey's colt. All the specifics. 1,900 years before it happens. And that's what the disciples couldn't argue with. They'd heard all the prophecies. And he fulfills prophecy by sending two disciples ahead to untie an unridden young donkey. So this morning, I want to apply this story. This fulfillment of prophecy, this miracle, I want to apply from, from my perspective as I read it and do the study on it. Part of what I think part of what Jesus was trying to reveal to us in this story, the miracle of the donkey. Here's the first thing I think that we can learn from this miracle is this. God has a specific need that you can fill. God has a specific need. Look earlier in the story, Luke 19, verse 31, it says this. If anyone asks, Jesus says, why, why are you untying that colt? Just say, I love this. The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. Think, think about that. The Lord needs it. How, how can the Lord be in need of anything? Better yet, how could he be dependent upon something that I provide for him? Something that he needs. I mean, I can't even wrap my head up. This is a miracle. That almighty God, perfect in all of his ways, could now be looking to us, very imperfect beings, to provide something that he needs. Are you kidding me? And can I just take this moment because this may be impossible for you to believe. Look right here. The Lord needs you. The Lord needs you. He designed you specifically for a need that you can fill. He has something specific that he has designed for you to answer. And maybe you're here this morning. 
Maybe you think, well, my time has passed. He no longer needs me. My best days are behind me. He no longer has use for me. And I'm here to tell you this morning, he's never needed you more. Your best days aren't behind you, friend. They are ahead of you. He has a specific need that you can fill. We can learn that from this miracle. Here's the second thing we learn from the miracle of the donkey is that God chooses the most unlikely, usually, to fill the need. <laughs> so the Lord, only ha- he not only has need of it, but he chooses what seemingly is very unlikely. I mean, come on, Jesus, a donkey? Really? I mean, if, if I'm Jesus, thank goodness I'm not. But if I'm Jesus and I'm going into Jerusalem for my triumphant entry and I'm going to let everybody know this is it. I'm setting the stage for the most impactful moment in history. How many know I'm not riding in on a little baby donkey? I'm. I'm getting me a thoroughbred, y'all. I'm getting me like one of those Lippenzander horses and like high-stepping into the place. Like, what's up, everybody? I'm here. I'm here to make us. I'm getting a Clydesdale like, you know, I'm, an, I'm, I'm shaking the ground. <laughs> I'm getting something serious, not a, not a baby donkey. But Jesus actually doesn't need all the glitz and glamour. Listen to me, God, God doesn't need the most talented. He doesn't even need the most educated. You know, he simply needs the available. He needs the available. Someone that is available to answer the need. Can I just tell you, he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for honesty and availability. Purity of heart. Paul learned this in his journey with God. He writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he said to me, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength, look at this, is made perfect in your weakness. So think about this. Your weakness is actually making something. It's producing something. There is a cause. And let me say it this way. The admission of your weakness results in the activation of his strength. His strength is activated when you willingly, knowingly admit, I'm weak. And I don't know about you, but I need his strength. And in order for that to happen, I've got to come to the table acknowledging my weakness. I love the way the Living Bible goes on with that that verse. Verse 9 says, and he said to me, my power shows up best in weak people. Now I'm glad to boast about how weak I am. I'm glad to be a living demonstration of Christ's power instead of showing off my own power and abilities. Paul says, instead of having to be concerned about impressing everybody, I'm actually a better demonstration of Christ's power when I boast about how weak I am. Some of you, listen to me, some of you have been viewing your weakness as a handicap when really it's the very thing that God needs. The reality is, friend, if you're not limping a little bit, you're probably faking a lot. And your unwillingness, listen, your unwillingness to get real and to to be gritting your teeth through the pain and trying to walk without the limp, it's the very thing that's not allowing God's strength to be activated in your life. He's looking for you to come to him and say, I can't do it on my own. I'm weak. And that's the very thing that activates his strength in your life. In this story, Jesus actually uses something that doesn't even belong to him. So so he not only needs something now, but now he's going to borrow it. 
hey, you using that? Because I could really, I could, I could use that. By the way, that's not the first thing that, that Jesus ever borrowed. He borrowed a manger. He, he borrowed a boat to preach from. He, he borrowed loaves and fishes to feed the masses. He, he borrowed an upper room to have a final meal with his disciples on that Friday night. You know, the last thing he borrowed, he borrowed a tomb. But he said, I'm not going to really need it that long. I just need it for a few days, and then you can have it back. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good news, everybody. Yeah, Jesus borrowed things all the time. He borrows a donkey to make his triumphant entry into the city. And he uses an unlikely animal. Jesus says, I need a ride. I guess I'll just use a donkey. That's fine. And God actually finds great pleasure in choosing the most unlikely to fill a need. Could it be that God would like to borrow you and I? Could it be? Could it be that God would want to use you as unlikely as that may seem to you? Here's the next observation I get from this miracle. It's this, is that God not only has a specific need and not only does he use unlikely people, but he has a specific time for you to fill that need. A specific time. Maybe some of you feel like that donkey. I mean, think about it. Every day, the donkey gets up, gets walked by its master into the village, gets tied up to the post every day. You know, you've got to use your imagination here. Does the donkey wonder, why do I have to be tied to this post? Like, all my other donkey friends get to run around, do whatever they want, just have fun all the time. And if he's not careful, the donkey's world can get really small. Well, I guess this is all my life is going to be. People passing me by, unnoticed, unimportant, insignificant. You ever felt like that? Totally overlooked, ignored. I, I don't have any value, I guess. Can't be used by God. I'm way past my prime. I've missed my moment. My, my window of opportunity has closed, and I'll never do anything great for God. Just, just tied to my post. And the donkey could have used this as a reason to circumvent the process. Well, I guess if people aren't going to notice me, I'll make a way for myself. I mean, if, if my owner can't see my potential, I'll just have to show him what I really can do. You know, there's, there's something to be said for the tide to the post days. Those days where you feel limited and constrained and underutilized. Those days when you know you have more in you than what's being tapped. Those days when you find yourself thinking, if they really knew what I could do, I would be blowing their mind right now. I'm reminded of David. David kills Goliath around the age of 16 or 17. He, he isn't publicly announced as the king over all of Israel until he's 37 years old. He was anointed as king around 12 or 13 years old. That's about 25 years difference between when he was anointed and when he was announced. <laughs> all the while knowing who he was and what he could do, what he was anointed to do. David shows tremendous restraint tied to the post. Knowing in his heart. And he chooses to wait on God to crown him instead of crowning himself as king. He chooses to wait. Wait. 
not to take matters into his own hands and push the issue. Even when he had the opportunity. But we like to take matters into our own hands, don't we? Okay, let me say, I know you guys are more spiritual. I like to take things into my own hands sometimes. <laughs> and we like to call some opportunities open doors in order to make progress and speed up the process. And if we're not careful, we will sacrifice the process for a position. Because that's really what we wanted all along. So let me say it this way. The most direct route to what you want <laughs> is usually not the best route. <laughs> some of us could use some restraint in our lives. Some of us would, would do well to settle in and plant ourselves and allow our roots to go deep. Some of us find ourselves in pattern of running and living very unsettled lives. How many, how many jobs have you had in the last couple? How many bosses have you had in the last few years? Well, I've been working there for six months, and I just can't take it anymore. Woo, six months. Whew. Way to stay tied to the post. And we sacrifice the process that God is trying to work out in our lives by seeking position or more money or a better opportunity. I love this quote by Joyce Meyer. It's rocked my world when I read it. Patience, she says, is not just the ability to wait. Patience is really how we behave while we're waiting. Hey, guys, how are you behaving when it's not working out as fast as you want? What's your behavior like? Be encouraged. God has a specific time that he wants used to use you to fill I need. Don't get impatient. Don't get bitter. Here's the next thing I learned from this miracle. It's that God has a purpose for you that's actually bigger than your dreams. It's bigger. Every day, every day the master walks into the village and ties this baby donkey to the post. Just another day. Completely overlooked, ignored. And then one day... This donkey sees two men that he's never seen before. I don't recognize them. And they walk up to him and they begin to untie him. Now, let me, can I just remind you, you will never be completely untied and free if you're trying to live your life in isolation. It's going to require some, some people coming and helping you experience, free, sulking and living on the hopes of what could have been. In order for you to be free and start living out your God-given potential and purpose, it's going to take some people seeing that in you and untying some things in your life that have kept you bound to the post. I don't know what went through that donkey's mind when those disciples untied him from the post. I would have bolted if I were him. I don't know what went through his mind in terms of, what have I been bought? Does someone actually want me? I thought they'd forgotten about me. I thought this was my lot in life. I, so insignificant, never making a difference. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever been to the place where you thought that God could never use you. That you were unusable. I remember early in my traveling Ministry itinerant days, traveling lots of weekends, different church every week. And 
I'd be, early on in my ministry days, I'd be ministering at a church and I'd people come up to me and go, oh, I want to be doing what you're doing. You're just living the dream. Oh, can I do that? And I'm thinking to myself, you do not want to do what I'm doing. Because what you don't know is that I'm going back to my temp job and working third shift at a warehouse and working on an assembly line, putting boxes together. Living the dream, baby. Are you jealous? <laughs> see, people, when they see, what, see that, they, they want what you have, but they don't want what it took to get that. You know? God, sir, I would, I remember working, working on that assembly line. I remember, certainly, God, this is what you, do you know what I could be doing for you, Lord? I remember a day I was chafing, chafing under this job. And I, I just felt God say, Devin, what about making a difference right where I placed you? And, you know, I just started from that. I just started to develop relationships with those people. And in, instead of it being a job that I just clocked in and clocked out of, I started to see it as an opportunity to be a blessing, to be an encouragement to those around me. I just started to be in content, tied to my post. This is amazing. I like third shift all the time, please. It's awesome. I like 11 to 7. This is working out great for me and my family. Awesome. Can I tell you? In my wildest dreams, I would have never imagined that God would allow me to do this and could use me in this capacity. Never. And here's what I truly believe. I believe that these days are directly tied to those days. I believe they are. How my behavior in the midst of impatience. And when I made the choice to just make the most out of the tide of the post days, I don't know what went through that donkey's mind when they untied him. Here's, here's what I do know. Whatever he thought paled into comparison to what God had planned for him. Whatever he had envisioned for his life didn't even compare to what God's purpose was for him. He probably thought, I'm, I'm going to help plow a field. I'm going to be stuck in the pasture because donkeys are good to have in the pasture. He had no idea that he was going to now escort the Son of God. Imagine what it was like when he heard the disciples say, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs me? What? I'm valuable. I'm usable. I'm worthy enough to be used by the Master. Imagine what it was like when Jesus got on him and started riding him through the streets of Jerusalem. Moving throughout the people. Can you imagine how he felt? All of a sudden, coats and garments and branches being laid down at his feet. Wow. I, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I, I'm just glad that I was where I was supposed to be when the master came looking for me. I, I'm just so glad that when the Lord had a need, I was found being faithful to my post. But I had to make the choice. And finally, the final thing I think we can learn from this incredible, miraculous story is that no matter what it is, whatever, no matter what the need is, no matter when it happens, whatever it is, you carry Jesus. And the goal is to make him more visible. That the fact that God would want you and I to be a part of carrying his message 
could it be that you and I could have the privilege, like this donkey, of delivering Jesus to people? Are you telling me, Devin, that this donkey is somewhat of a role model for me? I do believe there's a parallel. The way that it was used by God to carry Christ, by being patient, he was at the right place, and God was able to use him to take Jesus from one place to another. Could could it be that Almighty God in His grace and mercy could use our lives and our words and the place where we have influence, our workplace and our campuses, as a single mom or a student or a senior adult that's given up? Could it be that God could use us to bring His message and deliver Jesus to people? Could it be? Can I tell you, God wants to do that in your life. He does. If God could use a donkey to carry Jesus to another place, how much more could he use us today to do the same thing? This week, when you're standing in line at the grocery store, God wants to use you to carry Jesus to that person. This week, when you're serving meals or taking orders, God wants to use you to carry Jesus to those people. This week on your campus, students, in your classroom, God wants to use you to carry Jesus to those people. You see, I just believe that there are people, friends and coworkers and classmates and business partners and and teammates and family members and social media friends, others that we can carry Jesus to this week. The miracle that we could be carriers. That somehow... Through my life, through my words, through my patience, through my going out of the way. And yes, maybe even God could take my story to help deliver the Savior to another heart. Through my struggle and my pain and my suffering and my disappointment, God could use me to carry blessing and forgiveness and the message of salvation. Maybe, just maybe, He reached me to reach through me so that He could reach another person. Maybe. Maybe. Miracle that I could... Bring what I found, love and grace, restoration and forgiveness. And Could it be that God wants to use me to bring the same thing to someone else? We know that Jesus' journey into Jerusalem was during the week of Passover. Many scholars, most scholars believe that there are two to three million people in Jerusalem during this time. The, the entire population has converged on Jerusalem. Everyone is there. The roads are teeming with people. The city is packed. Everyone is coming to Jerusalem. And so just practically speaking, as Jesus gets closer to Jerusalem, it works for his benefit. He literally needs a ride. And although it's unlikely, the donkey allows for Jesus to not only be mobile, but at the same time, Jesus becomes more visible. It's one of the rare times we see in the Bible where Jesus positions himself to be seen by the people. Let that sink in. Lord, I I don't know how you're going to do it, but I, I sure would like to make you more visible to the people in my life. I don't know about you. I have some people in my life. They need to see Jesus. There are some people going through some things. God wants to use me to make Jesus more visible to them. For some reason, they're not seeing him. Maybe, just maybe, it's because we're not making him visible to them. Could could it be that God could use you? To that pupil in your classroom that you're teaching in. 
Could it be that God wants you to carry Jesus to that kid? Could it be? Final thought for this week. Miracles part three. As we gear up for the greatest week in the church. Let God use you. Because you just never know who is waiting on him. You just never know. The miracle of the donkey, that God could use our lives to answer a need that he has, a need that will more than likely be answered not by the most popular or the best looking or the most talented, but by the person who's willing to wait on God's timing, to not force your hand. And when you do, you'll realize that what you had dreamt in your heart and mind paled in comparison to what God's purpose really was for your life, and you'll understand. You'll Then you'll understand the privilege, the honor that it is to carry him with you wherever you go because the goal is to always make Jesus more visible. And if you believe that, come on and say amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet right next to Wilson Central High School at either 9 o'clock or 11 a.m. Hope to see you there.